Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Beef Up Front podcast. This is your host, Ryan Coyle. And tonight I'm joined by uh, one of our basketball analysts, Josh Nolan, as we are going to dive into a new series for you guys. Uh, it's going to be called the Philly Hoops Landscape. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be breaking down the six uh, major college basketball teams from the city of Philadelphia. And Josh is going to be joining me to give his analysis uh, on these teams and kind of we're going to be talking about the future, the past, and just all about the program, basically anything that you can think of. So all you basketball fans out there, you'll love this series, and I'm excited to have you have you with us, Josh. How you been? Pretty good, right? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm equally, if not more, excited to uh, do this podcast, um, you know, this series, really. Uh, you know, we're looking at a um, hopefully an upswing kind of year for, as a whole for all our local programs. So it was kind of a, a down year overall last year, but you know, I think things are going to be looking better across the board and um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, I definitely think before we get into our first team, uh, I, I definitely agree with what you said last year is down year for uh, Philadelphia hoops throughout the city. But I think this year you can definitely make a case at every single team except maybe for the exception of one off the top of my head, is going to be better this year than they were last year. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, we saw, you know, the two A-10 programs have sort of um, disappointing years. Uh, you know, Penn had a decent year, but, you know, certainly a worse one with the, the few years preceding that. Um, so, yeah, again, you know, I think we're going to be looking at a better season. You know, hopefully we can get something, some semblance of a full season in and, um you know, that maybe some of our uh, predictions here can sort of come to fruition. Yeah, so uh, for our first team that we're going to start off with for the Philly Hoops Landscape uh, Series is kind of the crown jewel of the Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia basketball scene as of right now, the Villanova Wildcats. Um, I'm going to start it off with just breaking down uh, about the head coach, the head coach, Jay Wright. Uh, I, I think you could definitely argue this guy is a top five coach in the game, uh, maybe even maybe even the current top coach in college basketball. He's entering his 20th season as the head coach at Villanova. Uh, he's compiled a 471 and 100 471 wins and 182 loss record over that time. Two national titles, three Final Fours. He's got seven Big East regular season crowns, four Big East tournament crowns, uh, two-time Naismith Coach of the Year. The list goes on and on with this dude's accomplishments, and uh, he's got, he's going to be a surefire Hall of Famer one day, and he's still a, a pretty young uh, pretty young coach where he's got many years ahead. I think at least at least another ten to fifteen uh, years where you can consider him the coach of Villanova as long as he stays. Uh, and I think he's built the big thing about him is he's built the best culture in all of college basketball. Uh, they're all about attitude and toughness and all that good stuff that makes them such a great team. Uh, they just play the right way, game in, game out. You never have, you never really see any problems with Villanova, and they found uh, they find a way each and every year to find these under recruited guys kind of throughout the uh, throughout the recruiting landscape and uh, find ways to develop them into uh, pro players. I mean, we saw Sadiq Bay who. It's most likely going to be a first-round pick this year. Uh, he was like a under under-recruited guy. Josh Hart, uh, Mikhail Bridges. The list goes on and on with these kind of under-recruited guys that Coach Wright and his program at Villanova 
have made into uh, NBA players and star college players. So Jay Wright, if, if I'm taking any coach in college basketball for the next 10 to 15 years, I'm taking him. I think he's uh, arguably the best coach in the game, definitely the best coach in the city. And just one that uh, all Villanova fans should be lucky to have that he's still, that he's still around and, and never bolted for uh, another job. Cause I think he made Villanova into a, a top tier program from, from the bottom uh, up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Jay Wright's a guy who, you know, had a sort of a, um, a playing career at, at Bucknell. He's sort of like a, a role player there. Um, he signed on with Hoff, so, you know, as, as a still a young coach. He you know, had a few years there, and he's been he's been trending upward. You know, not with not many, um, with you know, not many, not many pitfalls at all in that in that time. Um, you know, he after a few years at Hofstra, he you know came back home, went to Villanova. He's native to the Philly area. And it really didn't take him very long at all to get going. I made that final two nine, and um, from the, from there on, you know, and even before that, Villanova was a pretty consistent uh, NCAA tournament team at the least. You know, they regularly sniffing the top twenty-five almost every season. Um, you know, only maybe a year or two in between where they were sort of um, a forgettable team. But yeah, I mean, the, the back half of this decade, no single team. <laughs> landscape like Villanova has you know you were you had mentioned um, that, you know just you know, we, and we were talking about this just before we hopped on here um, that you know th- this year this in coming into the season um, Villanova it's has a you know legitimate claim to number one in the country preseason uh, you know they're, they're they clearly have one of the best you know rosters they're very deep we'll talk about that in a minute but um, yeah I mean they, they have a legitimate chance um, to take this national title, barring any major injuries or anything, and like you said, I mean, that that would be three titles in, I believe, five seasons. You know, not not, not yeah. you know discounting, not including last year, this past year's tournament. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we're looking at you know potentially three tournaments in uh, or three championships rather in five years. I mean, that's John Wooden material. He's in rare air there. So um, yeah. I mean, it, it's been. Uh, Nothing short of impressive uh, in his tenure here, and I'm very excited to see what he does with uh, such a full roster this coming season. All right, uh, so kind of going off Coach Ray, I mean, I'm sure you'll, you'll probably talk about him a little bit more in this next section. Uh, this next section is going to be breaking down the past five years. Josh, you, you can take the reins on this one, but he's just going to kind of go through what Villanova uh, basketball has done over these past five years and kind of players, coaches that have been through that program. Yeah, uh, I'd love to. So I, and you know, in a lot of ways I already sort of touched on it um, in, in my uh, last response to you there, but uh, so Villanova in, you know, sort of in the front half of this decade have been kind of plagued with um, this tournament drought where they would, you know, they'd be, you know, high seed in the tournament, uh, and they'd be kind of, but they'd be kind of one and done. You know, a lot of years with you know pretty favorable seeds, but they win the game and they'll get you know, upset in the second round. Um, that was kind of a trend we saw until exactly five years ago. That was the 2016 national championship. Uh, the team that was, I believe, named, named the team of the decade by I want to say Sports Illustrated, maybe one of the major outlets that named this team the uh, the team of the decade. And um, you know, and yeah, so that that was their first national championship. Uh, they went 35 and five on the year that year, and um, yeah, I mean they had a collection of talent. Guys who are you know currently in the NBA, you have um, Jalen Brunson, Mikael Bridges, 
Josh Hart was on that team. Um, and, you know, Ryan Archidiakno holding down at the point. You know, just a really impressive team overall. Um, the next year, once again, a little hiccup here. We um, 32 wins on the season. Um, again, <laughs> you know, it's pretty pretty good when that's your sort of uh, when that's your downfall. downfall. But once again, we see um, we see a one a um, seed. In fact, they were number one. They were the number one overall seed in um, in the final AP poll. Um, but yeah, again, losing the second round. Um, and uh, was, was that the NC State game? No, NC State was before. This was uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, right. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, you know, once again, we see a bit of a regression to the mean there. So, um, as crazy as it sounds, just a year after winning the national championship, all of a sudden, you know, Jay Wright's kind of back to the drawing board. He's got a little bit of a prove-it year ahead of him, at least, you know, I, I'm sure he would say that in his mind. Um you know, this guy who's, I think, job is pretty well protected even yeah. going into this 2019-2018 uh, season. But, you know, he comes back and um, and he, he wins it again, wins it all. Uh, back up to 36 wins. I do believe that was a record in, in program history. Um, and you know what? And I, and I actually misspoke earlier. This was the team, I believe it was the team of the decade, the 2018 team. This is the team of Dante DiVincenzo, Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, um, you know, we had Phil Booth in there in the starting lineup. Um, Spellman, right? And uh, Eric Haskell, just, yeah. just a wealth of talent. Um, what is that? Five which, NBA guys right there? I believe so. Yeah, I'm counting five. Uh, not bad for a college team. I'm sure, any, yeah. any coach would take up like that. And so you got, few, um, you got a few too who are still um, Gillespie. He's got a chance, maybe. Who's still playing now? Yeah. And we could see at least maybe six NBA guys from that one roster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one that people are going to look back on, and almost like that UCLA roster from I think it was '09. We're like, wow, just you know, Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook, and Darren Collison all on the same roster, yeah. all on the same college team together. It's kind of in that vein where you know, you know, we might be looking back and saying like, you know, looking at an NBA All Star game, you know, down the line, be like, wow, there's three of these guys were on that same college team. Yeah. Um, See something like that maybe playing out. Uh, anyway, um, so you know that that um, that season ends two national championships in three seasons. Villanova is the talk of the country, college basketball wise. So naturally, you're going to lose some guys. There were a few seniors on that team. Um, a couple guys ended up leaving early for the draft. I believe Bridges and Divincenzo were both juniors on that team, or at least underclassmen. Spellman yeah. as well. Yeah, Spellman. Um, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you lose some, you lose, you know, plenty of guys to the NBA. It's always going to be a down year. Um, again, you know, by by net, by national standards, the kind of down year that a lot of people would uh, would you know beg to have. But um, basically, the next the next year was all, all you know, albeit was their worst year in quite a quite a few seasons. Um, they do believe they ended up getting a sixth seed in the tournament. Uh, they, they were able to get a win versus St. Mary's. And then they um, lost pretty convincingly to uh, Purdue in the second round. That was Carson Edwards' team for the 40 spot on him or something, didn't he? Yeah, I was. I was at that game actually. It was from from the start. It was just they they just weren't. Uh, they just didn't have it that night. Tough stuff. I mean, it was it was a it was a season full of ups and downs for a team that's 
you uh, used to a whole lot of ups and very few downs. And um, they still, still, they still won the title. They still won the title, I believe. Uh, Big East regular season. I, I believe so too. Yeah, that's been a pretty consistent theme for them too. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Good as the Big East is, you know, you could all you, they have, again. I think they have a pretty legitimate claim to the you know the, the deepest league in the country, and it's just been amazing how Villanova has dominated that league. You know, they claim almost you know at least a share of the, the league championship almost every single year, at least since the you know the conference realignment, the quote unquote new Big East has been formed. Um, but they, still, anyway, 2018-2019, like I said, lost in the second round, but they went 26 and 10, um, six seed in the tournament, uh, and you know made it to the second round. So. Um, you know, not, not too much to turn the nose up at. And then uh, this past year, of course, unfortunately, the, um, the coronavirus shortened season um, was looking like another up year for them. They were in what, that, in what uh, turned out to be the final Associated Press poll. They were ranked 10th, went 24-7 and seven on the year. Um, a few conference losses here and there, but, you know, mostly took care of business. There's some, sort of somewhere in between the, the, the championship glory years and, um, sort of their regression to the mean that was last season. But, you know, again, that only means that they're trending upward. Um, you know, a lot of bright spots from that season, and, you know, I'll get more into this later, but uh, they didn't lose a single scholarship player from the, from this yeah. past going into this coming one. So there's obviously a lot to like about that. If you have a, you know, a top 10 squad and you're returning literally everybody, um, you know, you got to like your odds going forward. Yeah, I, I just the ma- the real main takeaway from the past five years, how I mean, people consider a t- trip to the tournament, a trip to the round of thirty-two, uh, a conference regular season title to be like a down year. That's that says that says all you need to know what Villanova basketball has really came to these past uh, these past five years, at least, and but even before that under Jay Wright. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all, you know, it's all relative too. Yeah, like I said, you know, I'm talking about the program, you know, ups and downs as I was putting it. But I mean, I, I think that most programs in the country would love to have a season where they went 26 and 10 and were a, yeah. you know, a top five team, a six seed in the tournament, and they won a tournament game. Um, you know, a couple of these teams that we're going to talk about in the series even, you know, haven't won a tournament game on the on this side of the um, the millennium. So, you know, we're going to. Uh-huh. Yeah, again, we're going to take all this with a grain of salt here. You know, um, Villanova's doing just fine. Yeah, and also uh, just when we were talking about all like the NBA players from that team, the amazing thing is all these dudes are ma- mainly under recruited guys. It's not like Villanova's just bringing in these one and dones. Like I yep. know Bridges, Spellman, and DiVincenzo were all redshirt players as well. So it's not like they just came in right away. And Pascal had the redshirt after he transferred. They they redshirt these guys and develop the shit out of them and and now another playing uh, significant roles on NBA rosters so it's cool to see yeah, what what sure. they've been able to at, do. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this past season's roster too, and um, you know, as per uh, you know, CollegeBasketballReference.com, um, based on their top 100, they do a top 100 recruiting class every year, and um. And I'm looking again. I'm looking at his past year's roster, and Sadiq Bay and Colin Gillespie were both, both top hundred uh, school recruits. You know, according to this list, in their respective you know senior years of high school. And you know, what did you say? There? Those guys are cut out a bit. Uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah. So I was saying that you know 
based on this top 100 list I'm looking at that's put out each year for the top 100 high school uh, prospects, uh, uh-huh. so both Sadiq and Colin Gillespie were not listed in the top 100 of their respective years. Um, you could definitely argue that they were the top two you know, performers on that team last yeah. season. And they're going to get into Sadiq Bay in a bit, being most likely a first-round pick in the draft this year. All right, uh, we're going to move on to some, some more player a player talk right now, kind of. Uh, I'm going to be running through these next three categories. Uh, key losses, key returning players, and uh, a breakout player as well for the upcoming season. Uh, the key loss is, is the only guy other than uh, a few – they lost a few walk-ons, I believe. But Sadiq Bey will be uh, entering the NBA draft. He's keeping his name in. He announced a few weeks ago, uh, likely going to be a first-round pick. I think he's got – potential to maybe sneak up into the bottom half of the lottery just a great three and d prospect uh a lot like mikhail bridges but that guy really progressed over the past his two years at college he came in as you just said not a hundred top hundred player uh he was a real skinny lanky guy and he really bulked up he's found a way to work on his game and he's he's made himself into a first round pick I, i think he won the julius irving award for the top small forward in the nation so Guy who averaged 16.1 points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game, and shot 45% from three while uh, defending multiple positions and, and was probably the best player on the team last year. So, I mean, as much as a team will miss a guy like that, the thing with Villanova is they've got literally everyone else back. So they have many other guys who they can give those minutes to. They might not be nearly as effective as Bay, but we've seen with Villanova they have a tendency to um, – have guys slide right in and take take off where the last guy left off. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, it's, I, I misspoke earlier. Yeah, they are losing Sadiq Bay, obviously, like you said. Uh, what I meant is that they, you know, they're not losing anyone to graduation. Um, uh-huh. he's, but even still, you know, he's the only one. Um, I, I like your comparison there to Mikhail Bridges. He's, you know, good, you know, kind of tall, slender, 3 and D guy, you know, sort of a bigger-sized wing player. And, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of success for him in the, um, in the NBA, like a, a definite first-round pick in my eyes. I think he may very well snip the lottery. All right. Um, I'm going to go into some key returning players next. I mean, as we've touched on throughout the show so far, they're returning a lot. Uh, they return point guard Colin Gillespie. Uh, we've seen over Jay Wright's tenure, the point guard is really the – I mean, it is on most most uh, NBA and college teams and any basketball throughout, but especially in the Villanova system, the point guard is is the key guy. Uh, Gillespie is the leader out on the floor. Uh, he's got the ability to shoot the ball. He can distribute. He's um, very smart, high IQ player. Just a, a great do-it-all point guard. He's going to be probably a first-team uh, All-Big East member this year, I would think. Maybe might even get some votes for preseason Big East player of the year. I know he's he's highly regarded throughout that program and throughout college basketball. Uh, Jermaine Samuels, he's another guy. He'll be a senior. Gillespie will be a senior as well. Those two guys will probably be uh, captains along with Damir Cosby Roundtree. They've been there for a while. They've been through they've been through it all with Jay Wright. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Samuels does in his senior year. He's another player who's really developed. I mean, he came in as a freshman under another under recruited guy played a bit his freshman year but I never really saw much out of him but over these past few summers his body and his game has really improved and he's gonna 
be due for another uh, solid year as a Villanova player. I, I'm not sure if he's an NBA guy, but he's a very integral part to that Villanova uh, team. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, uh, I heard Jay Wright on a podcast a few days ago, uh, was saying that Jeremiah Robinson Earl might be one of the best players that he's ever coached in his time at Villanova. He said he might be the best scorer and he might be the best rebounder. So that's pretty high praise uh, for a 6'8", 6'9", forward who can guard multiple. Uh, wait, excuse me. It wasn't best scorer. It was best rebounder and best defender. But still, that's pretty impressive with the guys who have gone through there. Right. A 6'8", six, 6'9", a six, guy who can guard, I think, one through fi- uh, one through five. I mean, obviously, you don't prefer to have him on the guards, but he's a very athletic player, uh, versatile and he can really shoot the ball from well from the outside. I was kind of surprised that he didn't enter his name in the draft, but I think he saw kind of what happened with Sadiq Bay and maybe get that second year under your belt, another year of off-season training and play your way uh, into the lottery. He'll only be a sophomore this year. And then Justin Moore, uh, he's a guard out of DeMatha from Maryland, so comes from a, a great basketball school, and he was actually the Big East freshman of the year. He, he really flew under the radar, though. I don't know why. Every time he turned on the TV, it seemed like he was one of Villanova's top leading scorer, a three-level scorer who can score from uh, every spot on the floor. I think he's a great outside shooter, and he's going to be a – he might be the guy to slide into that starting spot left by Bay. But I, I'm a big fan of Moore. I think he's got uh, first-team all-Big East potential. He's, he's in for a big year. He's going to have to take on some of that scoring uh, left by Sadiq Bay. So – my four big guys uh, returning are Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels for the both the two two of the seniors, uh, big time leaders, uh, guys who can do it all. Jeremiah Robinson Earl might be the Big East Player of the Year, and Justin Moore, who could be a first team Big East guy, uh, coming off his freshman Big East Freshman of the Year award. So those are my key returning players. If you got anything you want to add to that, um, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, good picks here. I agree with all of them. And you got Colin Gillespie's a guy that um, both of us were lucky enough to, you know, play at one point and to sort of start throughout high school um, and continue to see him grow through his years at Villanova. He kind of, he's, and I think he's just a great successor in this great, like, point guard lineage that um, Jay Wright has had since since he's, you know, taken over at Villanova. You have a few names that come to mind or, um, you know, Scotty Reynolds, uh, Corey Fisher, you know, guys like, Ryan Archidiakono, uh, Jalen Brunson, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm omitting a few here and there, but um, you know, just these sort of uh, gritty, like generally a little bit undersized guys, but you know, guys who definitely support and just like effort and tenacity and um, good facilitators, uh, you know, pass first kind of guys with the exception of Reynolds, he was sort of a scoring point guard, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's a guy who's definitely, you know, Villanova's sort of going to go as he goes this year. He'll be this mm-hmm. guy, you know, pacing that offense, and he's going to be, you know, an enforcer uh, on perimeter D as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just going to touch real quick on, um, you know, guys like you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and a guy like Brian Antoine. I, I believe both of them sustained injuries for, you know, mi- I, I know Antoine missed several games, but, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, obviously you never hope that anyone gets gets hurt, but, you know, from Bill and Ed's perspective, it may have worked out for the best because it may have bought but, you know, these were potential, both potential one-and-done guys coming in their freshman years, and it kind of buys you at least an extra year with them. Um, uh, yeah, and, and I think it's, you know, best that, they, best that they stayed, you know, especially, I mean, 
Antoine was always going to stay sort of, but, you know, a guy like Robinson Earl, yeah, he could have gone and, you know, certainly I think would have gotten picked somewhere um, in the draft. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to come back. He's going to get another year where he's even more of, um, you know, sort of the, the offensive onus is placed on him. And, um, yeah, he's just going to be get a chance to sort of be the guy and continue to develop his game and kind of hone it for the NBA. So um, it's a sort of a two-way, two-way street there that uh, really works well for, for both sides, I think. My breakout player for uh, Villanova this upcoming year, it's kind of hard with a team that's bringing back so many guys who really contributed a lot. So I'm going to take a kind of a, a different route. I'm going with Eric Dixon. He was a top 100 recruit uh, in the 2019 class from local Abington High School. We've we've watched him a lot over the years, played against him several times ourselves. We, we kind of know what he brings to the table. A uh, big lefty who... He's he was a red he redshirted last year and I think he's due for a breakout because I I mean I've said this time and time again now these guys who go to Villanova come out of these redshirt years like completely different players I mean com- the big thing with Omari Spellman when he first got on campus at Villanova was he was kind of overweight and out of shape and if you had any knocks on Dixon it was kind of he's a bigger guy. And he kind of got away with some of his size in high school against smaller people. But at the next level, you have to be more chiseled, more in shape, running up and down the court. So Dixon really just spent this working on all that stuff, getting in great shape. Uh, he's a very versatile scorer. And he's going to uh, add that scoring punch that we were talking about that after Bay lost that some people are going to have to add. I mean, his defense uh, will need to improve, especially – in the Villanova defense that makes you guard one through five sometimes. Uh, but I think he can be a double-digit scorer next year. I don't know how much Demir Cosby Roundtree will play in the front court. I feel like his role has kind of diminished over the years. He's still a very uh, important part as like a leader and a defender and rebounder on that team, but he's not the best offensive guy. And I think Dixon adds that extra offensive punch. So a front court that uh, has six eight. Uh, Eric Dixon along 6869 with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who can both score out to the three point line in the mid range and on the block. That's going to be very uh, tough to cover. And he just feels like a ideal kind of breakout player for if he can figure it out on the defensive end at a consistent level. I feel like Jay Wright is going to find a way to get him the get him the ball and make the make the most out of his talent. I mean, he's a 2000 plus point scorer. He had offers to many schools throughout the country, and he wound up staying at Nova. He did this redshirt year, even though he probably could have went to many other places and started. Uh, this move probably helps him in the long term and makes him a better player, makes him a better person, and just I think he's I think he's going to have a big year as long as he gets the opportunity. He's just a guy who continues to produce against whoever whoever he goes up against. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to get into Dixon a little bit later, so I'm mostly going to leave it at that. But, um, yeah, you know, Dixon is a guy from our hometown, so, you know, somebody I'm certainly rooting for, and I, I, I think that he's going to uh, come in and have an immediate impact for him. The next uh, topic of discussion is, Josh, you're going to take us – they don't have the full schedule out there yet, but kind of maybe some key games uh, – they, that could be on the schedule this year and kind of break down uh, some of the Big East competition that Villanova could be going up against. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, you said it. I mean, as, in terms of, you know, obviously in light of um, everything that's going on and the health concerns surrounding the virus and all, 
Um, we don't even know whether there will be a conference season, whether the season will start on time. We don't exactly know how the schedule is going to look like. Uh, and, and, you know, as it is, you know, teams at this point normally still don't even have their entire um, non-conference schedules released. So yeah. um, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, mostly leave the non-conference games to the side here. I'm, and I'm just going to, I'm going to sort of give you a bit of an overview on uh, the state of the Big East this year. And um, the way I see it, there's sort of a, um, uh, I'll, I'll say that, you know, Villanova, like, you know, we talked about their historic uh, dominance here over the, this, this new Big East, um, you know, despite the, the depth of the conference. And um, I think this year is probably no different. They're, you know, Villanova is part of a um, uh, pretty selective top tier within the league. Uh, but, you know, I, I see them being joined uh, by, by Creighton, um, as well as, uh, you know, by, I'd say, you know, put Seton Hall maybe a half step or so behind uh, those two. But I, I do think that Creighton out west will be um, – Villanova's biggest rival in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know that game going out to uh, uh, CenturyLink Fieldhouse, I believe it's called, uh, out there in Omaha. Um, you know, that's a really old historical gym. It's one that, you know, it's a packed house every time uh, the Blue Jays come out to play. So, you know, that'll be definitely a game to watch when Villanova comes out there. Um, uh, one exciting, you know, little tidbit about the Big East is the, the, uh, the long-awaited return of the Yukon Huskies. Um, yeah. UConn's a team uh, who, you know, joined the American Conference, but, you know, given their sort of status as a recent, like, basketball powerhouse at the time, it felt kind of weird. Um, you know, didn't, you know, them having rivalries with, uh, you know, Tulane and SMU, it's just like, you know, it did, they weren't real rivalries. It didn't exactly feel right. And uh, the football team is one that historically has played, you know, definitely played second fiddle to the basketball program. So, um you know, it was a move that was initially made for football. I think they found out pretty soon that that may not have exactly been the right move. You know, UConn's a school that's revenue is always going to get driven by basketball. That's kind of where their bread's buttered, obviously, both on the men's and women's side. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is a really good addition for um, the Big East. I think it's a good move for UConn. You know, they went independent with football. So they still get to, you know, still get to play the Division One schedule, although they just, you know, canceled their season for this year. But I'm talking, you know, going forward. Um, you know, they'll, get, they'll still get to some degree the top level um, experience, uh, you know, on football level. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that there it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding job there. Um, I think Harley's done a pretty good job so far and uh, has them on the right track, but I don't see them being necessarily a factor in the league uh, this coming year, per se. Um, yeah, somewhere middle of the pack, I suppose. Uh Another thing that's sort of noteworthy is um, you know, Marquette will take a big step back after losing Marcus Howard, who's um, you know sort of a generational type of player. Um, he was a guy who uh, I believe did lead the NCAA, well, the whole NCAA in scoring last year. Um, and you know, so he's he's the type of guy. He's a two, he's you know the, you know kind of get things done type of guy. He's a ultimate facilitator. You know, a shoot first point guard, and they're really going to miss him a lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Seton Hall got big news when they returned. Sandra Mamakelishvili. Um, good good pronunciation. I've been, been practicing. Um, big Georgia, as I sometimes call him. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that, was, that was huge to get him back. Um, you know, he may, he may very well be their go-to guy this coming year. But um, uh, Providence is another one who is, um, you know, going to be up there in the top half of the league. Uh, 
Xavier and Butler as well. So, you know, I mean, and you can lose any game at any given time. Uh, mm-hmm. in this, and it's really a treacherous um, league, especially on the road. You know, you go into some pretty raucous environments, a lot of like, you know, smaller arenas and, um, you know, just ones that are always going to be packed houses, like I mentioned with Creighton. So, um, you know, I, I, I certainly see Villanova dropping a couple of games here and there, you know, assuming we have a standard schedule with regular travel, you know, at least on the conference level. But I, yeah, I mean, I see them coming out on top, maybe taking a share of the league with Creighton, but I think they're looking so solid this year that uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them win it outright. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for, for the Big East this year. I mean, I hope it's – you're talking about these raucous environments. I, I hope there's fans because those Big East games are some of the some of the coolest to watch when – Yeah. Uh, especially those games out and, uh, as you were saying, out at Creighton, those games always are electric. Even on TV, it's cool to watch uh, games at Butler, stuff like – they've got a lot of great gyms, a lot of great fans in the Big East. So let's just hope that we can get some fans in the building. Exactly. And, you know, I, I don't see that happening, unfortunately, unless, you know, there were, say, things were to um, be pushed back to a January start or even later if this becomes uh-huh. a spring or something like that. Uh, personally, you know, just as, sort of as an aside, uh, I, I personally, you know, favor that over, you know, a shortened season. If we're able to push things back, I know it's, you know, a financial hit to certain schools in the short run. Um, but I think, it, I think it really behooves you to... Um, you know, to try to get as close to a full season as you can with as close to, you know, full capacity in your stadiums as you can. You know, obviously we want to exercise proper caution here and, you know, make sure that everyone's staying as safe as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, I'm just thinking from, from a fan's perspective, uh, you know, if I'm talk, talking what I'd like to see, you know, I like seeing packed arenas. I like seeing, you know, full slates of games. So we get some, we get some really good uh, non-conference matchups. You know, we got, you know, the last two years we got to see these, uh, a home and home between Villanova and Kansas. That was, you know, electric and two, you know, really great games. And yeah, um, uh, yeah so I, you know, I just think that, um, yeah. But but that'll be interesting, you know. Long story short, to uh, to sort of see how that might have, you know, how how that might be affected. You know, obviously travel is still a factor, but if if we are still going to campus sites, but there's an absence of fans, that definitely changes the dynamic. And I think that you know probably works more in the visiting team's favor. So. And may even help Villanova a little more if that were to be the case. Our next segment of the show is going to be uh, you're you're still going to be taking us away on this one, Josh. It's going to be called the coach's shoes segment. Uh, so if you're in Coach Jay Wright's shoes, what are you doing? I mean, I don't really know for at least for this episode how much you can say what what you would do to change the program or help it. it seems like they're they're in pretty good spot, but. What would you do, uh, maybe a few minor adjustments to help uh, lead Villanova uh, in the right direction, I guess you could say. This is more of a one for, for the rest, but I kind of wanted to keep a balanced uh, segments throughout the throughout the series. Yeah, exactly. So in, in case we were like a little unclear on this, you know, we're going to be examining each of uh, you know, what they informally call the, the Philly City Six, which is you know, the, the big five of Villanova, Temple, LaSalle, St. Joe's, Penn, plus the addition of Drexel. So we're going to be looking at all six of those programs. And this, this segment was definitely designed more for the other five than for Villanova. Yeah. Uh, Villanova's a pro, you know, we call this the, you know, coaches choose segment on uh, building the program. And this is a program that's, you know, really already built. I think we've yeah. pretty firmly established that so far. But um, the 
right? It's sort of generic, you know, but it's just kind of say the course. I mean, we have to, you, know, you have to keep up on, um, on the recruiting, um, on, you know, on the recruiting trail here because, uh, we, you know, we're, we're starting to get sort of, um, you know, there, there'll be some guys certainly that they're losing this year. Uh, it's not going to be like last year where they're going to be able to retain everyone for next season. We got Gillespie lead. We have uh, Cosby Roundtree is going to be gone as well. And uh, Jermaine Samuels as well. Um, those those three are seniors. They will be gone next year. And like I said, a Robinson Earl, maybe an Antoine. Maybe you get a guy like um, Justin Moore or Cole Swider, somebody like that who steps up and has a big year and may be off to the NBA early. So you have a potential to lose quite a few guys um, next year. So, you know, you really want to um, hit the recruiting trail hard this year. And that's not going to be easy, given the fact that you're probably not going to be able to do a lot of in-person visits. Um, you're not going to, in a lot of cases, you know, be able to go see games. Uh, at home here in Pennsylvania, they're, they're currently talking about, you know, potential delays, if not cancellations, of the high school basketball season. So um, it's, going to be, it's going to be difficult, but you want to keep um, – really, you want, he wants – He's going to want to keep his uh, his like his advantage here on the um, on the home market. You know, Philly's such a hotbed for big prospects, and um, you you really um, you know you, he really has that kind of that that area of the market sort of cornered off. They've been getting a lot of Philly's top guys to stay home and join up with them. Um, but yeah, you want to continue that. I'd like to see him, you know, maybe move a little more into the Philadelphia Public League. You know, maybe grab a couple guys from there. Um, you know, you think of schools like Imhotep Charter, um, you know, a school like that is, you know, they're turning out high level D1 guys every year. Uh, it'd be great to, you know, maybe see them, you know, grab somebody, you know, from that sort of realm. Uh, another thing I'd like, you know, in terms of, in terms of like recruiting markets, uh, back in his early years, you know, his first 10 or so years, um, at Villanova, Jay Wright, you know, like I said, he came from Hofstra and he sort of kept that, uh, that, you know, New York pipeline that he had. You know, he was getting a lot of guys from uh, New York, specifically the Bronx and Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, we were, we we're getting, um, like, I know Corey Fisher was from there. Uh, you know, you guys, guys like Corey Stokes, Javon Pinkston, I do believe, were both from New York. And he really had that market. Again, you know, maybe not a bigger basketball hotbed in the country than New York. So we really yeah. need to, you know, start bringing in some guys uh, from up that way again. You had Dominique Cheek too from uh from North Jersey, kind of that New York area as well. Yeah, the North Jersey basketball scene's not quite what it was, you know, in, in years past. So uh, I, I believe St. Anthony's closed. You know, a yeah, couple that's of where Cheeks went. Yeah, yeah, a couple um, of, you know, sort of those powerhouses there. You know, along with a lot of in you know over the past decade or so, a lot a lot of um, Catholic schools or other otherwise you know tuition based schools have been having trouble. And, Merging, closing downs, but but there's still you know a great basketball scene in North Jersey as well. Yeah, so that whole sort of uh, New York metropolitan area is a market I'd love to see him tap back into. As far as coaching, I don't I don't really have. I mean, who the hell am I to give notes to him? You know, we talked about the the two championships in four seasons. Um, you know, in, internally, you know, the, the programs guy is a well-oiled machine. You know, it's just uh, nothing to really speak of there. Uh, you know, those few minor adjustments that I talked about on the um, recruiting trail, I'd like to see. But, you know, again, they've been seeming to manage, uh, even if they're, you know, not wholly keeping those sort of traditional pipelines. Uh, so just kind of going off of what you were saying a little bit, uh, our next our next two segments are going to be on recruiting. 
so for for all these teams that we're hitting up, we're going to talk about their 2020 recruiting class and their 2021 recruiting class. Uh, Villanova is in a unique spot, though, just because we were saying they only lost one guy. That was a scholarship. So they have no 2020 recruits coming in, but Josh is going to talk about some players who are going to be playing for Villanova this year that didn't play last year for redshirt reasons, transfer reasons. So that'll be considered their 2020 recruiting class when, when we look back on it and when we talk about it here in the show tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like you said, you know, no, no true incoming freshmen and um, in true Villanova fashion, they just always you know seem to find a way to have things work out. I mean, what a luxury it is to have, you know, all of your new incoming guys to have already sat on the bench for a whole season. You know, they know, whatever of the, um, you know, whatever of the playbook remains from last season. Um, you know, they're already familiar with it. They, you know, they, they understand uh, the culture, you know, academic expectations, athletic ones in terms of, you know, arriving at practice on time. Think, you know, just simple things like that. I mean, they already have, they already know the coaching staff's uh, tendencies and their, you know, sort of demands in terms, in terms of um, uh, just, you know, a program as a whole. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the the two guys they do have coming in. Uh, you mentioned one earlier, Eric Dixon uh, was a freshman, was an academic freshman last season, but redshirted. He'll be entering his freshman basketball season this year. And then, um, interesting one here, transfer from Tulane University, Caleb Daniels. Um, so yeah, I mean, you covered most of it with Dixon. I'm not going to go into a, a ton of detail with him, but yeah, I mean, he was. One of the Philly area's premier players, uh, not this past season, but the one before, coming out of Abington High School. Um, and, and, yeah, a guy who's just, like you said, just a really massive um, dude, just a big body. Uh, you know, kind of got good, like, power forward size. And, um, you know, he, he'll definitely uh, be taking, you know, some minutes, splitting some time with the Cosby Roundtree. But, like you said, more of, a, more of an offensive presence. Um, you know, this guy just kind of scores. Like, he's... He's able to score decently well, kind of at all levels, um, and uh, you know, yeah. Again, like he's he's somebody that you'd like to see, um, you know, kind of get his body, you know, a little better sculpted, you know, cut off a few pounds, and um, but he has the makings of a great, you know, big man for some years to come. Uh, I'll talk, you know, a little more about Daniels here. Again, you know, transferring from Tulane. Um, and he was a guy, you know, who coming from a frankly pretty bad program in Tulane, this guy who's overlooked a little bit within the uh, within the American Conference, but you know, these guys who could hang in there with the uh, the Houston's and the Cincinnati's of the world, you know, and go to right toe to toe with their guys. He's got pretty good size for uh, um, you know for a guard. He's uh, six four, a little over two hundred pounds, and um, uh, he, he's a you know sort of a pass first point guard. He's He's, you know, what you want to see in a guy running the point. Um, but he's, you know, he, he can score the ball as well. Um, and, you know, he plays you know, pretty solid defense as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy who sort of goes against that mold that I was talking about, of you know, sort of the, like, the undersized, um, kind of like gritty Villanova point guards. He's more of a, um, you know, he's, he's got, you know, a bigger body, like nice frame, you know, NBA size frame. We'll see how. Uh, his his years at Nova pan out, but you know he's he's a guy who, who will come in and uh, make an immediate impact. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how. I mean, you know, I think he'll get sort of the nod um, 
kind of a second option to guard, or, or you know, as, as an option to guard, I should say, over, you know, Chris R.G. Diacono. But um, he, he's, you know, somebody who will, yeah, I think be able to facilitate for them. Um, you know, he's athletic, he'll run the floor, he'll, uh, and he'll just generally get the job done at both sides. But, you know, two really nice additions um, for a team who's not losing anyone. It's a pretty good haul in terms of, you know, new faces they're bringing in. Yeah, so the the big thing I think with Daniels is if he can be anything like their last transfer, Eric Paschal, both guys who kind of not really talked about much in the college basketball world until they got to Villanova, if he can be even half the player he was and just be a consistent outside shooter and find ways to score the ball, that, that's going to be a big, big addition. So I'm going to, for our last uh, segment of the show tonight, and just kind of we're going to follow this blueprint throughout the series, but I'm going to be talking about the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, so earlier, Josh, you were kind of mentioning that you hope Jay Wright uh, stays on the sticks of the recruiting trail uh, just because that's one of the big thing, just to replenish that talent. Villanova's already, they, they I think they'll have at least one scholarship, maybe two more for the 2021 class if they decide to use all of them. But they are, they've already secured four commitments for the 2021 class, and I think that's extremely big considering we're without AAU uh, this whole summer. Uh, we, we might not get high school basketball. If we do, it'll be in the shortened season probably. So to have four dudes already committed and locked up who are – I'll touch on all of them, but they're all four-star prospects, that's, that's pretty big. But there's always more more work to be done. Think guys could opt out, uh, commit elsewhere. So it's always good to, as you were saying, stay on a, out on that recruiting trail and keep tabs on guys because you never know, you never know what'll happen, especially with everything going on. Some of these dudes could opt to other plans like play overseas or who knows. But the first uh, recruit I'm going to touch down, touch on is Nana and Joku. Uh, he's a forward slash center about. 6869 from Delaware. I think he could be the replacement for Demir Cosby Roundtree, who's going to be a senior, so bringing in a, a new big guy in the front court. Uh, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, we were saying he's probably going to declare for the draft after a sophomore season. So they're going to need another guy with some beef up front uh, to throw in the front court. I think he kind of is more of like a, a Daryl Reynolds, uh, Daniel Ochefu type, where he's going to be relied on more so, not, not for his offense, but uh, his ability to rebound the ball, play good defense, just kind of like Demir Cosby Roundtree has been. Uh, Jordan Longino is another commit. Uh, he's a guard wing from German County, Germantown Academy, which is, right for those of you who don't know, right outside of the Philadelphia area, so another Philly area guy. Uh, he's got a great size at 6'5 on the wing to be a, a high-level scorer at the next level. Uh, Three-level player, uh, so he can score from – from the mid range, he can take it to the hoop. Uh, I think he's got uh, consistent ability to shoot the ball from the outside. And a big thing that Jay Wright does is post up his guards and his wings, gives them uh, the freedom to kind of make plays from down there. And at his six five six six size, I think that's a trait that Jay Wright might utilize on the block, where if he gets a smaller defender on him, he could work him not even on the block necessarily, but more so in the mid-range. Uh, I think he's got a, a bright future. I see him as the the next potential Josh Hart of this this uh, this organ not organization uh, this school in Villanova this 
with their their program development track record. Uh, he's got all the tools to be uh, an NBA type prospect. And guys like Brandon Slater and Cole Swider, they'll be entering their senior season probably. Those guys probably won't be leaving the draft for the draft early, but uh, their wings and Longino will be able to help spell them when they need minutes off and, and eventually replace him if he's not a one-and-done type prospect. Uh, Trey Patterson is a forward from Jersey, uh, the North Jersey area, I believe. I think he went to Rutgers Prep. Uh, 6'7", long athletic. He has that defensive versatility that Jay Wright loves. Uh, he kind of fits in the same boat I was saying on, on Longino. He'll be in there to uh, be the eventual replacements for guys like Swider, Slater, Samuels. For any guy out of this class, I think that they might look to do the redshirt route. It might be Patterson, just because he might be the player who might not see the most immediate playing time out of this group, and he could he could benefit from that redshirt year and some more development time. I don't know that much on him, but guys, the guys like Swider, Slater, and Samuels will be uh, needed to replace, and I, I trust Jay Wright that he made a, a strong commitment again with this guy, another four-star prospect who who's going to be able to impact the game in many ways, like uh, all Villanova players do. And the last guy in the class as of committed right now is Angelo Brizzy, a point guard from Virginia. Uh, high IQ player, lefty point guard, uh, th- another three-level scorer. I think he's just a prototypical Nova point guard who can do it all. Uh, he has, throughout watching some of his highlights, he has many pieces to his game that Reminds me of Archie Diakono, Brunson, and Gillespie. He's got all that kind of in one. And, and I mean, why aren't you going to want a player like that with all those kind of capabilities? So he was Nova's point guard target from this class. I mean, they they were really targeting uh, one guy, and it was Brizzy. I mean, they had offers out to a few, but they got their guy. So another big pickup by Jay Wright. Uh, Jay Wright's likely going to depend on him to – come in as a freshman and the next year and probably unless Archie Diakono really impresses throughout this year and the offseason next year, it's probably going to be Brizzy's job to lose after Gillespie graduates. So as I was saying, all these guys are four-star recruits. Uh, they might have another scholarship or two available depending on uh, early entrance transfers, all that good stuff and in the graduates. But I would like to see them maybe add down Add another knockdown shooter. Take a chance on one of these two, three-star guys who is just a real lethal 45% to 50% type of three-point shooter. Fits that Villanova system of kind of uh, working off screens, finding your way open, and, and knocking down the three ball. I think that would be a good shot, to good chance to take on someone. With their, with their program uh, track record of developing guys, adding a, a high-level shooter, and then kind of banking on that you can develop him into a more all-around player would be a, a wise move. And another thing is maybe add a, a developmental big guy, uh, another take a shot on a another two- or three-star recruit who might not get much attention, but he's extremely athletic, has long arms, has good size and height, and you see something there. Kind of uh, just make him into a strong rim protector and rebounder in the form of Demir Cosby Rancher. You got that kind of in, in – in Joku, as I was talking about earlier, but it never hurts to get take another chance on some guy with some upside and some size, and with your ability to develop players like like you can, maybe look into a guy like that. So, after these four commitments, I think maybe uh, try and add a knockdown shooter and a rim protector slash rebounder, athletic big type guy that can run the floor as well. So, 
that's all I got on the 2021 recruiting class. If, if you got anything you want to touch on. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, you basically said it like, Villan- uh, you know, Villanova for about as long as I can remember is sort of um, their MO is kind of in the, the, the three point shot. Um, that's kind of what set what separated them from a lot of their competition over the years. It's been, you know, there's their knockdown free throw shooting and three point shooting, at least offensively. And um, yeah. And, and so I think that, you know, Certainly never hurts, especially given the track record and Jay Wright's, uh, you know, sort of like, you know, the, the, the Jay Wright's, um, I guess, the way he lets, you know, them step out and shoot threes. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, one through four, if not one through five, yeah, if they're able to. And, you know, they, I think they, they must go through a ton of shooting drills because a lot of these yeah. guys really shoot at a high clip. Um, and, you know, so so def- they definitely want to, you know, get some shooters on their team because that's how they've found success in the past. And, I think that's certainly how they could find it in the future. Uh, as far as the specific prospects, I'm not, you know, super up on the class of 21 myself, but um, I, you know, you definitely make some compelling points on all levels there. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of needs that could, you know, potential needs in the future that could be filled. Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, just, you know, like I said earlier, uh, Nova is definitely going to lose some after this season, potentially lose a lot. And, like, you know, they have a pretty young team, but you know, the downside of that is as the years go on, you know, it eventually catches up to you and you have an old team and you start to lose a lot of guys of, um, in, uh, you know, in, in quick uh, spurts, you know, you're losing a lot of guys each year. So they just can't really get complacent. They have to, you know, have recruiting options in a lot of different areas, but uh, it's certainly not a problem I see happening. And Jay Wright has never really been uh, you know, complacent with recruiting. He's, he's gotten some really good guys in the door and, you know, like you said, you know, no five-star recruits here, but that's kind of, you know, been his way, you know, for a while now. Gets these underrated guys, a great player development program there, and they turn good good players into great players. Yeah, and, I mean, we've been going for a little bit over 53 minutes now just talking about Villanova, and we really didn't even dive into some guys like Cole Swider, Brian Antoine, Brandon Slater, all dudes who could easily be starting players uh, – potential double-digit scorers, kind of just whatever Jay Wright's feeling uh, wants to put in, any of those guys can produce, and we, we didn't even talk about them. That's just how deep this this Nova team is, and the future of the program is it's looking as good as ever. Uh, if, if I'm a betting man, I, I'm taking Villanova's success over this next decade-plus, probably over any other team in the nation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if I were a betting man as well, and Either of us are betting men, but um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think Nova's right up there. You know, we they got as good as chance as anyone, um, you know, to certainly do some damage, maybe to come out and win it all. Uh, so you know, I'm, again, I'm hoping we're able to get some semblance of a, you know, a, a normal season or you know, at least a reasonably full one. And uh, I, I think at this point, the NCAA is going to going to you know just feel really feel the need to have an NCAA tournament this year. Um, mm-hmm one way or another, you know, they just can only imagine how much money they must have lost uh, yeah. the last years. So that's going to be, that's the good thing about this. Is that's really going to be a prerogative for them. And I expect to see, you know, I expect to see a national tournament uh, in one shape, you know, one way or another. So, you know, just hope for the best and um, hope the Nova come out on top. All right. Before, uh, before we wrap this up, I'm going to put you on the spot. For our next show, who do you want to break down? Your, your Temple Owls or St. Joseph Hawks? Um, let's go. Uh, 
down five to go. Who you got kind of cut out? Um, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Temple. Let's let's take a look at them next. That'll be an interesting right. one. Okay. You hear that, guys? That next show will be probably within the next week or so. We'll be breaking down uh, the Temple Owls just in the same format as this one. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the enjoyed the show and uh, look forward to the rest of the series as we break down the these last five teams. Uh, thanks again, Josh, for hopping on. Got any last last second comments before we head out? One down, five to go. Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you keep listening. We got some more uh, good content coming for you here. Five more teams to break down. So, yeah, thanks again for having me, Ryan. All right, thanks, everyone. Uh, subscribe, Beef Up Front. Share out the podcast. Let everyone know. Appreciate the support. Stay safe out there. All right,